All right. If you have your Bible, I'm reading from the Gospel of John this morning. John, the 21st chapter. It's the last chapter of John. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise, he showed himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing upon the word today and upon the people, Lord, I pray. Put something in my mouth, O oh Lord God, that will help and encourage and inspire your people. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise God. Shake a few hands. Greet somebody as you're being seated this morning. Great to have my nephew Luke with us today. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. My sermon thought this morning is the peril of an uncertainty. And I was amazed as my daughter-in-law gave this beautiful rendition of the song. I've never heard. I looked out on the audience and I saw several of you mouthing the words, so it must be familiar to some of you. Never heard it. She did a beautiful job on it. And if she and I had colluded together on that song in this sermon, we couldn't have got it more right. <laughs> It was so perfectly in line with uh, what I want to share with you this morning about uh, some dark times we can all go through in our lives. We don't know much about this Greek poet except that he lived about 400 years before Christ. Her, his name was Hermesianax, and he left us with four thought-provoking words. He said... As within, so without. So what you truly believe, what you want to perceive, what you want, all of these, uh, what you're attracted to, all of these things will dictate the actions that, that, and that you take and the people that you involve yourself with and on the activities that you pursue. As within, so without. And to which the sage of Proverbs would agree... Or Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It is what we are within that really defines us. That is often hard to get at and hard to understand, even for us ourselves. Uh, to Do we really know ourselves? And uh, we, we are different people at different times in our life and in different frames of thought. At one time, we could be inexplicably angry and do something very rash and stupid, which does not define who we are. But, but, but there will be a consequence that will speak to the person. And, and, and it, can, it can lead us to become a person. 
that we are not. And by doing good, we can change and become something other than our circumstances, our genealogy, our surroundings, our environment, our conditioning would have caused us to be. We can, by doing good, change the tract of evil that we might otherwise have been on. It's so frustrating to get caught in slow-moving traffic, especially when you want to get somewhere in a hurry. And even worse is that helpless feeling of a traffic jam, being jammed in between a solid line of cars, parallel lines, a huge semi hovering over your front bumper and another snuggled up against the trunk is annoying to say the least. And some people exist in a world that is not unlike a traffic jam because they get hemmed in by life's circumstances. And the absence of clear-cut direction and the ability to move thwarts their motivation. God-directed people work according to their plans and realize that traffic jams are only momentary. Sustaining movement requires something specific to move toward. It's easy, is it not, to get caught up in a traffic jam of life. Somebody said, stuck in a rut, stuck in a rut, or caught in a jam. And life can get us in those places. I hate driving for business. I despise the time I waste at a traffic light. I get really upset when someone wrongly gets the jump on me at a four-way intersection. But I really, really resent being at the tail end of a long line of traffic with no passing lanes for miles and miles because some inept driver up front leading the parade can't even do the speed limit. <laughs> Why? Because of the time lost from my life that it cost me to get from here to there. We're stuck in a place in a rut. We're not doing anything productive. This is time being used to get from point A to point B. Whatever that distance is between points is seemingly lost time to us, time that we could have been better spent actually accomplishing something, being there and doing what we need to do. So we all can feel that frustration in our life when we're kind of stuck in a place where we are moving, but we're not moving fast enough. We are not where we need to be. We're in a rut. We're, we're in limbo and it's lost to us. And it's discouraging, discouraging. And our, uh, in our text from the last chapter of John's Gospel, which is a very different ending, John's Gospel, to the three synoptic Gospels, I think it's a very significant that we see this particular story. The other three end with Jesus taking his disciples out to the Mount of Olives and speaking to them in the last moments before ascending into heaven. But uh, here in John's gospel, we have a very different kind of an ending 
uh, and it's a, a very personal one uh, concerning especially the Apostle Peter. And I think it's a beautiful picture, beautiful story. In the previous chapter, chapter 20 of John's Gospel, Jesus, we find, had just resurrected from the dead. And I think it's appropriate that I share these thoughts with you today because last Sunday was Easter Sunday. That was a week ago. And uh, I felt like that we should kind of follow the disciples' trajectory and journey between, uh, between the uh, resurrection and Pentecost and kind of see where they're at in between. So here is an in-between place. We're kind of between res uh, Easter Sunday and Pentecost. He had just resurrected. He had been seen first by Mary Magdalene in the garden, fresh from the resurrection. She was the first to see him. She goes back and she tells the disciples she's seen him. They don't believe it, of course. And so Peter and John race down to the tomb. And there they find the tomb is opened and two angels are standing there. And they go inside and they see the grave clothes laid there. And the angels tell them, he's not here, he's risen. So they go back. And they, uh, all of this is happening on Sunday, the first day of the week. So later that evening, Sunday evening, because the Bible says John 20 and 19 says the same day at evening being the first day of the week. So this is still the day Jesus resurrected from the dead. That evening, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Shalom, which is peace be unto you, Shalom. And he revealed himself to them. Now, Thomas was not there at that particular point in time he wasn't there but Jesus showed himself to them later on some days later uh, they the disciples said to, to uh, Thomas we've seen him he said I don't believe it unless I see the prince in his hands and the wound in his side I will not believe it and so the Bible goes on to say that after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them then came Jesus and stood in the midst. So a week has gone by now. Thomas was not there, part of that first appearance. He had not seen Jesus. A week has gone by. We know that Jesus is going to be walking the earth for 40 days following his resurrection. He will ascend into heaven 10 days before the day of Pentecost. During that 40 days that he is walking the earth, more than 500 people saw him alive. The Bible tells us later on in the, in the epistles that above 500 saw him during that time period. And, but at no time does he spend any great amount of time with any of them. He's, he just makes brief appearances. He's just there for a short time and he may eat with them or something, but he speaks to them a little bit and then he's gone. He's not with them. He's not, it's not a detailed, it's not like it was when he walked the earth and in three and a half years of his ministry and, and they were together all the time. He just makes these brief appearances. So eight days have, have gone by and now Jesus appears suddenly in the midst of them again. And he reveals to Thomas his hands, his feet. Thomas becomes a believer. My Lord and my God, he says. And so he's a believer. Now, so we come to chapter 21, the last chapter of the Gospel of John. And it begins with, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Well, the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. 
because Tiberias is located on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. I have, I've slept overnight in Tiberias. I've sailed on the Sea of Galilee, so I know exactly where this took place. And uh, we find now some weeks have gone by, right? Jesus appeared to the disciples the evening of the day of his resurrection, except for Thomas. Eight days later, he appears to them again with Thomas. Now they are, after these things, are in Tiberias. And it took some time to go from Jerusalem where they were and where Jesus revealed himself to them at first back to their old stomping grounds of Galilee. It took them some time. So we must assume that two or three weeks have transpired during this time. This places this event probably nearer the end of that 40-day time period uh, where Jesus had been walking about and probably not very, very far away from the time that he would ascend into, into heaven. So now he appears to them. What do we find here? They have gone back to their old stomping grounds. And seven of the original 11 li left alive are here. We find Peter, we find Nathaniel, we find Thomas the Doubter, we find the sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and two others are mentioned as being with them. Seven of the surviving 11 disciples, a quorum certainly of that core group, are there. They've all gone back. Suddenly they're, they're hanging around. You can imagine that they're listless, that they are purposeless, that they are visionless, that they do not seem to know what to do next with their life. They are between two different points. They had been somewhere a few weeks ago uh, that, that seemed very deliberate, very purposeful, very led of God, very full of energy. Jesus is here. Look at all the stuff he's doing. He's He's revealing himself. He's going into Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's being welcomed by glad hosannas. And everybody is ready to crown him king. And then all of a sudden, all that's changed. And they haven't come to that other point yet. They've, they've, they've passed beyond one point, which was the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. But they don't know what's going to happen next. They, they don't have an understanding of what's to come. Jesus has got them in a rut somewhere. And Peter, the magnetic personality that he is and was, the natural leader that he was, I can imagine him just tossing about, pacing the floor, just restless, you know, just kind of restless. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? I had prepared to give myself and my life and my purpose to, to Jesus, to believe that he was the Messiah, and now he's gone or he comes and goes as he wills and we see him for a little bit, but... He doesn't say much, and then he leaves, and, 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 and Peter is just, he is feeling like his anchor, cord of his anchor, the rope of his anchor has broken. He's lost his anchor, and he's just drifting. He's drifting in this sea of not knowing anything, not being sure or certain of anything. And so what does, what does he do with his life at this point? He doesn't know what to do. So he begins to look back on where he was. He begins to look back on where he came from. Well, I just felt something real heavy come into the room here. 
Because it is in those moments of uncertainty, in those dark days that we must share in our lives. Not every day is going to be sunny. There's going to be some dark clouds and some storms in our lives. That's life. It's made up of that. Most of the days are good days, but when the storms come, they can hurt. They can lash us. They can be severe, and they can be dark, and they can be deep. And it is in those times between point A and point B, between points of, of uncertainty, we fall into a situation of uncertainty. We're not sure, is God with me? Am I in the will of God? Is God really in control of my life? Is he really directing me and, and leading me, or am I just drifting? Do I, do I not know what to do next or where to turn or where to go next? I'm not sure of what to do. And it is in those moments that, uh, that we revisit where we came from. And we look back on our past life, and, and we see that at some point in our life, we, we at least thought we had a purpose. There was a time when Peter thought that his life mission and goal was to be a fisherman, and he was good at it, and he had a boat, and he had nets, and he had a business, and he knew how to catch and sell fish, and that's something he could do, and he could do it well. And if I can't do anything else, let me go back to the way I was. It's a temptation which we must all face. It's at, it's at the core of defeat and doubt. It is the very breath of the whisper of doubt in our ear and in our mind when we are between two different points in our life. Satan whispers defeat and doubt and uncertainty to us. He comes breathing at us. Go back to the way you were. Go back to what you knew before. Because I can't see what you're going to do with yourself now. So, Peter says, I go fishing. It's the only time the word fishing is used in the Bible. For all of our fishermen here, fishing. Only use this one time in this verse of scripture. Peter said, I go fishing. And so the others want to go with him. They must have been feeling the same way too. Peter was a natural leader of men. He would have gone with them or without them, but they, they must have felt the same as he did. We don't really know what to do with ourselves. So well, well, let's hang together. We'll just hang together. Whatever you're going to do, Peter, I'm going to do too. Some people are natural leaders, and those people are very, very important to, to the group, to the whole, to the, to the whole accomplishment. People rise and fall on, on those who lead. Some people are really good at just getting people together and getting them to do things. And it could be good things or it could be bad things. But it's great when we can, when we can direct that energy and to do the right thing. It's a great thing. And so I can imagine Peter is feeling pretty low. He's discouraged. No doubt he's deeply disappointed. He is no doubt disappointed in himself because of his very great public failure. He had, he had denied Jesus and the others knew he had denied him. And so he's, he's really down on himself right now. But I can imagine that he's also a little bit upset at Jesus. Maybe... He's gotten to the point now where he's, 
actually a little mad at Jesus for getting him into this situation. Because after all, Peter thought himself better than that. Remember, he was the one that said, Lord, not so, Lord. If you die, we'll die with you. We're ready to die with you. He was ready to do it. He was so ready to do it that he drew a sword and drew first blood, striking off the, the high priest's servant's ear. He was ready to fight and die for Jesus. And it didn't go that way. Jesus said, put up your sword, Peter. I didn't come. My kingdom is not of this world. Put up your sword. They that live by the sword or die by the sword. Peter was frustrated. What have you got me into? God? What have you got me into? I started out to follow you. I answered your call. You said, follow me and become a fisher of men. I followed you. I left my nets. I left my business. I left my family. I lost everything to follow you. Where are you, God? What have you got me into? Here I am with nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. I don't have a purpose. I don't have direction. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what to expect next. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and, and I, I failed you, and I'm, I'm, I'm upset that I failed you, but isn't it a little bit your fault, God, that I failed you? Because you turned to the right when I thought you would turn to the left. You went this way when I was going that way. And you left me behind. I don't know what to do. We get a little mad sometimes, don't we? Uh, so we might as well admit it. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes we just get a little upset with God because we don't get it. We don't understand. What are you doing, God? What are you doing with me? I don't, I don't get it. I understand what you're going through. And, and, and Peter probably was kind of like inside of him. I could just imagine he's just kind of grumbling a little bit. He don't want to come out and say it. He's already said too much as it is, but he's a little mad. And so he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go fishing. So they go out and they fish all night long. They spent the whole night. They worked it. They worked it. They worked it. He tried every fishing hole. He tried every secret spot that he had always been successful before. Well, let's go. We'll go over here. We'll go over here. And nothing. And well, I know another spot. And they go over and move the boat over and go over. Nothing. Nothing. They didn't catch a sardine. And and then the next morning, amen, the sun's coming up, amen, and somebody's out on the shore, and they're calling out to him, said, said, hey, said, let down your net for a great draught of fish. Well, Lord, you don't understand. He said, it's Jesus over there. He's calling to us. He says, cast your net out. I said, Lord, you don't understand. I've fished all night long. I've tried every lure I had in the tackle box. I, I've mended my nets. I've used all. I've done everything. I've gone to every fishing hole. I've done everything. There ain't no use in carrying on. There's no point in going on anymore. I'm just, I'm done, Lord. I'm, I'm in. I'm tired. You don't understand, God. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at you. You failed me. Uh, you left me there. I didn't have no, and, and now I can't even fish. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Well, there's no point in casting my net on any side of the boat. I've done, done it all night long. Amen. I didn't catch it. But you've got to cast your net on the right side of the boat. Amen. 
And the right side of the boat is to do what Jesus said. <laughs> so he did. He said, well, nevertheless, Lord, at your will, I'll do what you said. He cast the net out. And when he pulled it up, there were so many fish, they couldn't get them all in the boat. They had to call for help. Amen. Get other, other fishermen in there. Amen. It was a great drought. He had never caught a fish. He had never caught fish like that at all. At all. Now, I can imagine this man who's energy was so dark and so negative just before this right he's angry at himself he's angry at the situation he's in he's a little bit angry at jesus for having walked off and you know, where are you lord when i need you and what are you doing next i know you died you resurrected you're walking around on the earth but you know you're not connected with us and we don't really know what to do we don't know what to expect he's got all that and all of a sudden all this all that dark energy all that negative feeling is suddenly just turned completely flipped over wow wow amen he said just cast your net i cast my net i've never seen so many fish in all my life we've never caught fish like this before wow wow it's still there amen everything that i ever believed in about him is still there the power is still there he's still there he's he he's not he's not so immediate but when when i need him amen when he speaks to me when i when i when i listen to him when i obey him when, when i do what he says to do he's there he's gonna help me he's gonna help me he's gonna lift me up amen so jesus invites him to the shore Come and eat. Come and have breakfast. I know you haven't had anything to eat all night long. Come and eat. There's fish on the fire. Jesus already had caught the fish himself, and, and they were there on the fire. And they have a little fellowship time together. And it's during this time, this last chapter, that Jesus would say to Peter, he gets really close to Peter, touches him real close on the inside. Jesus is probing that disappointed, discouraged, nervous man who feels defeated who feels humiliated, who feels full of self-reproach. I'm not worth anything. I, I, I put myself out there for him. I put my way up front. Here I am, big old Peter, and I'm going to lead the people. And I failed him, and I denied him, and now I'm not worth anything. I must be so low in his eyes. I, I stood right there and denied him three times, and he turned around and looked right at me. What does he think of me? I'm worth nothing. Jesus gets close to him, and he begins to probe Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Oh, how that must have hurt. That must have really hurt him. Amen. Because he did love him, you see. But the thing of it is, Jesus knows what's inside of us. What we did is not what we are. What happened to us does not have to define us. Because what we really are inside, he knows. And he knows how to get that. He knows how to get to that. And he looked deep inside. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. You know I love you. Three times. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Ask him again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Third time he comes back and asks him again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. 
I mean, at this point, he's really broken up, you know. I mean, he's, oh, God, what are you doing to me? You know, you really hit me hard here. Uh, you're digging deep inside of me. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. And finally, the Lord says, follow me. Jesus said, follow me, follow me. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Not, not one word of reproach did Jesus offer to Peter. He didn't reproach him. He didn't say, look, you did bad. You could have done better, but I'll forgive you. He did not reproach him at all. He didn't need to reproach him. Because when you're full of self-reproach, you're already showing your love and your loyalty and the real you that's in there. You're full of self-reproach. He doesn't need to reproach you because you've already got it. You got it in spades. Amen. And he knows how to come and touch you just at the right point, at the tender point. Touch you at the tender point. I believe God's touching somebody today at the tender point in your life. Amen. The words you've heard have spoken into your heart. God is speaking into your heart. And you're wounded and you're hurt and you're mad and you're upset. You may be upset at God. You're upset at your circumstances and your situation. Amen. But your situation does not need to define you. You can step out of your situation. God can use you and he wants to use you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Touch and move right now, God, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel very strongly God is pulling on a heart today. Amen. Pulling on a heart. You need to step out of yourself. You need to step out of that feeling. You need to step out of that anger right now. You need to step out of that self-reproach and kneel before God. Come before the Lord today. Say, here am I. Here am I, Lord. You can use me. You can use me. You see, because there's a very real problem within all of us that can cause an attitude crash because of discouragement. And these are the four pitfalls of discouragement. Number one, discouragement hurts our self-image. Number two, it causes us to see ourselves as less than we really are. Number three, discouragement causes us to blame others for our predicament. And number four, Discouragement causes us to blur the facts. We can't see straight when we're discouraged. Hallelujah. We get kind of like the old farmer. Somebody said to him, he said, you must be thrilled with your bumper crop of potatoes this year, Mr. Hibby. I, uh, they're plenty good, but we ain't got no battens to feed the pigs. Discouragement causes you to blur the facts and not see what is really life is like. It's full of storms. Life is full of storms. Some days are dark and drear. But did you ever see the clouds part? Suddenly and the, the rays of sun come streaming through so beautifully shining down upon you. Hallelujah. Those dark clouds can part. And those rays can come. Amen. In a new vista, a new perspective. God wants to give you a new perspective today. I close with this final thing. During World War I, 
1918, there was a French general named Ferdinand Foch who, who fought the Battle of the Marne against the Germans. And it was a very decisive battle full of casualties. Hundreds of thousands of men lost their lives. And Ferdinand Foch sent out a telegram back to headquarters. He said, my center is giving away. My right is in retreat. Situation excellent. I attack. Hallelujah. The only way to get out of the rut, to get to the B point from the A point, is to get up out of it. Change your mind and your heart. Realize that life has got a purpose and God has a plan and that you can do it. You can move forward and attack. Oh, how glorious was point B when the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in the upper room and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the room where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, what a beautiful point B. Point B put everything in perspective. Point B brought all the meaning together. And just because you're lumbering about in a dark place right now, amen, doesn't mean that, that, that you can't get up out of it and change and things aren't going to get better for you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm inviting you, amen, as we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This altar is open. Amen. Come forward. God's spoken to you today. He's spoken to your heart today. Amen. Why don't you come and kneel before the Lord, amen, and let God touch your life. Amen. Because he wants to minister to you. He wants to lift you up. Amen. He wants to give you light and life and health and hope. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, today for your touch. Thank you for your touch today, Lord. Thank you for your touch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.